Amen. I want you to turn back to 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. There's only one chapter in 3 John. And we're going to start there. This is where we were last week. And I titled the message, the message last week, Measure of Faith. So I guess you could call this part two. But I want to just kind of continue along those lines. I uh, have some additional thoughts that definitely tie into faith, but wouldn't necessarily deal with the measure of faith. But uh, I, I, we'll see where God leads us as we go through this. But um, I, I, I haven't, I, I even asked the Lord, because as I was on vacation, you know, I was reading different things and had a little bit more time to read and, and of course, uh, um, uh, watch different, you know, preachers and things like that. And so I explored, uh, Lord, do you, do you want me to go somewhere different this week? But I really felt like as, as we got closer to Friday and Saturday, the Lord redirected me back to where I left off last week on the measure of faith. And, and this scripture that we concentrated on last week says this, beloved, I pray in other translations, you'll see it say, I wish as a matter of fact, um, uh, the King James says, I wish above all things. Everybody say that, say, I wish above all things. Now here, this is the new King James. It says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So we see clearly that number one, God wants your soul to prosper. He wants your, you to be enriched and, and to, to prosper spiritually. As you do, there's also an expectation that you prosper and be in health. I know you have the New King James. Would you mind putting up the King James if you can switch over there? I want you to see, and, 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 and again, between last week, this week, and however long we stay on this, I, I want to kind of wreck you. I, I want to wreck your thinking because I, I know that there are many people. I, I was one. I grew up in a church that didn't, didn't teach us this. As a matter of fact, they almost kind of awarded you if, if, you, if you had nothing. You know, if you just had, if you just had nothing, you know, you just, you can't have anything. You're, 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 you, God wants you sick. God wants you to be poor. And I have a hard time reading God's word. And I looked at how many scriptures did we pull last week? 30 that we looked at. Uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. I'll recap a little bit. But, but between all that scripture, the scripture I'll show you today, I, I can't find that. I mean, I can't find that. I mean, even when you look at the Israelites and the things that, that, that happened to them and the wandering that they did, when you look at the, 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 uh, the New Testament understanding of what happened to the Israelites, in Hebrews it says it was their disobedience, their lack of faith that caused the wandering for 40 years. And as we talked about last week, the two, Joshua and Caleb, that had faith that they could take the land. It was them and their family and the next generation that received the promise of God. Because your faith matters. Everybody say that real quick. Say, my faith matters. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God. And so last week we looked at the fact that God gives us and starts us with a measure of faith. A measure of faith. And then we ask the question, well, how does your faith grow? Or can your faith grow? I showed you 12 different scriptures of, of Jesus uh, and, and Jesus himself and several New Testament scriptures. There were a total of 12 that talked about different levels of faith. It was either, you know, statements where Jesus would say, oh, ye of little faith. Or, or uh, ye of great, you know, you have great faith. And he would describe these different levels of faith. 
Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, if God gave us faith and we should all just have faith and, 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 and in our, we're all on the same playing field. Okay, if that's the case, then why, how many, you know, there were 12 disciples, 12 disciples, and then there were, uh, uh, you, you hear different numbers depending on theologian, but, but several more, either 70 or hundreds more even, that followed Jesus around. And then there were the inner circle of 12. Yet, you only hear about a few of them in the New Testament. If you even study the early church, if you just read history books, not the Bible, just read history books, study the early, early church, you still don't hear that much about the other disciples. Well, why? Because some of them, like Paul... James, Apollos, all these different people that you hear about in the New Testament, they latched on to God's word. They latched on to what Jesus did, and it changed their life, and they put it into action at a different level than others. If you read Hebrews 11, it lists, I mean, story after story after story of by faith, this happened, by faith, this happened, by faith. Your level, what you do with the faith God's given you matters. You can feed it or you can starve it. You can feed it or you can starve it. And so last week we talked about two key things. Number one, you have to feed your faith. Everybody say, feed my faith. You have to feed your faith. And then number two, you have to exercise your faith. You have to feed your faith and you have to exercise your faith. You have to feed it. You have to exercise. And so um, just uh, to wrap up this recount, one of the great things I think that we uncovered last week was the fact that just like you exercise, right? I mean, how many of us would, would, would you know, uh, exercise without eating or eat without exercising? If you eat without exercising, you get what? <laughs> you get fat. You get overweight. If, if you exercise without eating, you'll die. I mean, really, I mean, you, I mean you'll, you'll, you'll work yourself sick. I mean, you'll, you'll end up exerting yourself to the point that you can't. They have to go together. You have to feed your faith, and you have to exercise your faith. So Matthew 4, 4 says this. But he answered and said, it is written. This is Jesus saying, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus, when he walked the earth, was the word. John tells us the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In order for you to have the highest level of faith, you have to have the highest level of connection with Jesus. Because he is his word. Another scripture that is not just from last week, it's one that we hit on all the time. Uh, I don't think you have this pulled in from my notes, but maybe you could flip over to Romans 10, 17 so everyone can see it on the screen. What does Romans 10, 17 tell us? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes how? By hearing the word of God. Your relationship with the word, your relationship with the word is directly connected to your level of faith, your measure of faith. Again, everyone, everyone, if you're saved, I shouldn't say everyone, but all those, any believer, anyone who's saved, you, you have been given a measure of faith. We know that because you have, the Bible says you, you can't be saved unless you hear the word preached. 
You can't be, no, no one can be saved unless there's a preacher. So somehow, some way, someone shares the gospel with you. You hear about Jesus, what he did, or maybe you heard about it growing up, or maybe you didn't hear about it growing up, which is happening more commonly in, in today's world. And then as an older person, you, you, you realize, man, God did this for me and he sent his son for me and he loves me. And then boom, faith is birthed in you and you get saved. What happens? God puts the Holy Spirit inside of you. You become a new creature. Faith birthed in you right there. Boom, faith. What happens after that point? What happens after that? Do we, do we just, oh, well, that's it. I'm going to heaven. Yes. But, but, but what you do on earth requires faith for God to move in your midst. It requires faith. It requires you to, the Bible says time and time again, I walk by faith and not by sight. So when I take every step, when I wake up in the morning, I'm taking my step out of the door by faith. I, I'm, I'm being led by the spirit. Well, how does that work? By faith. I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't have God. I'll tell you a couple stories of how God led us just this week on vacation because I like sharing stories. But before I get to those stories, let me just, just help you grasp this concept. When I talk about being led by the spirit and walking by faith in that way, I, I don't like have God just, you know, stand in front of me and all of a sudden he appears and say, okay, now go this way. Okay. Okay. Now go that way. You know, it's not something I can see. Like it's not, it's not physical things that happen. There's not, uh, as I'm driving down the road, burning bushes that pop up. It's not audible voices. By faith in my spirit, another uh, verse in Romans, in Romans 8, it says that my spirit is connected with his spirit. So my spirit bears witness with his spirit. Where am I led? In my spirit. Give you a story from this week. So we are uh, trying, we realized real quickly the area we were staying in, we're on vacation, we're there, like, hey, uh, uh, we didn't get something to eat. Well, we, we realized quickly, these, it's all local restaurants. Like, it's like the city, this, uh, we stayed at Carolina Beach, I don't know if any of you ever stayed there, but it's like they, they put in rules or whatever to push out chain restaurants, they're all on the outskirts, which is kind of cool. So it's all local restaurants. And there's more, there's more people than there are restaurants, and there's just not enough. And so it's really hard. I mean, everywhere we would go, hour wait, hour and a half wait. My uncle lives close by, so he and, and his wife come, and we're, we're trying to, to eat with them, and, and it's like hour wait, hour and a half wait. We tried every restaurant in the area. And finally, we settled on a restaurant. Well, in doing all that wandering around, somehow we lost my son Josh. He's two years old. We lost his cup. He has a little, he, we got him a couple weeks ago, a cool little cup, has a pop top on it. We kind of had graduated from the more babyish cup. This was a little bit of a big boy cup. It made me feel good, you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't that expensive or anything. I could have bought another one. I didn't feel like I'd already made a Walmart trip to get groceries for the, for the week of vacation. I didn't want to go again. I really, that's what I, t- I told them. I said, you know, they were like, well, why don't you just buy another one? I don't want to go. I don't want to do, buy another one. I don't. I'm just going to believe God for it. I'm just going to believe. So, so we're wandering around. We went back, traced our steps. And um, as we were, as we're, actually as we were leaving the restaurant where we finally ate, I felt in my heart a, a, a restaurant, but it was one that we didn't even put our name down. It was like a really quick stop. And I, I didn't even remember having the cup there. I felt like, and they all agreed, no, I think we lost it before that restaurant. It was called Pops. And so 
we, we, we never went there. We wandered around. And then as they leave, my uncle and aunt leave, and, and we're going back to uh, the hotel, I told my wife, I said, I got to go. She said, where are you going? I said, I got to go to Pops. I feel like I sense God telling me we've got I, that, that cup's at Pops. And she's like, okay, well, I'll take the kids. You, you, you run. So I ran back because, I mean, it's late now because we had to wait forever to eat. So I'm, I don't want Pops to close. And so I, I, I'm like thinking, well, Lord, where is it? You know, so I run over there and I'm looking all around the building. I'm like, I, I, you know, because we kind of hung out around this. I'm like, no, it's not there. It's not there. And there's no, no hostess, no one at the stand. And so I start to leave. And I'm walking away and the Lord, I'm just telling you, in my spirit, I shouldn't even say the Lord said because it wasn't audible. In my spirit, it was like a check, like a stoplight, like a hold up. No, don't, don't, no, don't leave yet. I don't know how to explain it other than to just say, I, in, I had an inner knowing the cup is right there. It's right there. And so I turn around, I'm like, okay, well, where is it? No one, no, no hostess. And so I'm like, well, I'm just gonna go inside. As I go inside, that, that check, really, I just felt peace. I'm like, okay, well, I don't see the cup. And I walk past the, the hostess stand and everybody in the restaurant, I, I must've looked sketchy because I'm like in the zone, you know, everybody, I realize everybody's staring at me. Like, why is this guy wandering in the, you know? And I'm like, okay. So I felt a little uncomfortable and I turned around and it's sitting Inside the hostess stand, which we, I mean, I only talked to her for a minute. Josh never went inside the restaurant. He didn't go inside the restaurant. I don't know if one of the girls was holding it and they dropped it. I don't know, but the cup is sitting inside the hostess stand under the shelf underneath it. Sitting right there waiting on me. This is how you walk by faith. And so I went from not having a cup to just believing God. Hey God, the cup will show up to it being right there, and God led me straight to it. You can say what you want, but we wandered all around. We looked all over. God led me to that cup. God, because they would have thrown it away the next day. But God stopped me before we went inside. No, go now. Go now. God is no, God doesn't love me any more than he loves you. He doesn't love Joshua's cup any more than he loves your stuff. And the same way he led me, he'll lead you. We walk by faith. Everybody say, say, I walk by faith. So how do we feed our faith? How do we exercise our faith? Like I said, you you need to have a relationship with his word. You need to have a relationship with Jesus, which is his word. Well, how do I have a relationship with Jesus? Through prayer, through the things that we, uh, you know, if you you don't pray often, you're going to have a weak relationship with God. If you don't pray often, your relationship is going to be weak. Now, prayer does not build your faith. I want to clarify. Prayer does not build your faith. But prayer is one of the ways that you build a relationship with God and his word. And as you're praying out a problem or an issue in your life, God, by the Holy Spirit, will remind you of his word. And so as you're praying out a a problem or whatever, I ask God all the time, God, what scripture can I stand on for this situation? Because I know that if I can get a scripture for it, then I have faith. Okay, I think a few people got it, Brother Mike. All right. If I can get a scripture on a situation, then I have faith. At that moment, why? Because Romans 10, 17 says what? uh, Faith comes by hearing the word of God. When I get a scripture on a subject, if you don't have a scripture, don't move. 
If you don't have a scripture, then why, why push past the subject and push, past, push into a problem and try to figure it out on your own without asking God? I mean, if you already know a scripture, then stand on that. But if you don't, spend some time in, the, in prayer, get in, in your prayer closet, get some word and stand on it. When you have a, a, a scripture, hey, you know what? Uh, you know what? I know what God's word says. I know what God's word says on the subject, and I'm going to stand on that. It changes your perspective because the problem is always going to seem bigger. The problem is always going to seem massive when all you have is the problem. When you when you listen, if you just spend a little bit of time getting to know God from his word and how big he is. How massive he is. Just read Genesis and see what God did in six days. Then flip over to Hebrews, because Hebrews 11 tells you that it was by faith that God spoke the worlds into existence. If, if the, everything, I don't care what, what, what teachers may say about, you know, evolution and, and all that kind of stuff. I can tell you that everything that's created was created by something better than itself. It was created by a creator. It was created by something. I mean, even the AI stuff that's out there, it's only as good as the creator. And Apple's AI is better than Android. Just saying. Just saying. But it's, it's, it's based on the creator. It's based on the creator. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you have, you have to, 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 when you get to know how big God is, and how grandiose God is, your problem will seem so small. We always used to sing that song growing up, right? That God holds the whole world in his hands. I mean, think about a God that big. Yet, yet a God who's real enough and cares enough to have a relationship with each and every one of us that knows the hair on your head. That's hard to imagine, right? I mean, God's so big, so massive, yet can speak a, a, a solar system, and it's there. Yet so real, so intimate, and so thorough in his creation that he has an intimate relationship with everything he created. See, when you, when you get to know God's word, your faith, your faith is built on that. When you, have not, when you are lacking in that relationship, when that relationship is suffering and your relationship with his word is suffering, uh, and I'm using that word, what I mean is just it's, it's lacking. You don't have a good relationship. When the problem comes, the devil will make it bigger than what, you're, than what God's capable of doing. The devil will, will magnify it. I love one of the, the, we use a lot of phrases to worship God, and we'll say, oh, magnify him. Oh, magnify the Lord. We say that all the time. Magnify the Lord. And it dawned on me several years ago. I was worshiping. It was in a church service. And it was like, God, because we, we, we were, you know, dealing with something. Uh, it was when we were, uh, uh, we were dealing with an insurance situation with Kaylee, our first, first child. And I, I had been dealing with it for like 10 months. I don't have time to go through it. It's such a long story. 
but I'd been dealing with it for like 10 months. It was just this, this tumultuous thing. They, they, she was born at the end of the year. And so they put coverage. She was born on the 29th of December. They, her, they gave her insurance coverage starting January 1st and didn't backdate it the three days. And we didn't realize it until February when all the bills came in and all the insurance deductibles and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, we got discharged before the end of the year and all of those bills, my wife was covered, Kaylee was not. It was a big deal. It was standing on faith, man. I mean, it was walking by faith, every phone call. But I, I, through walking through all that, 10 months into it, the problem was so big to me. And it felt like every, every time I got into a problem, every time I got into a phone call, every time I got into a problem, problem, another hurdle, another stop, another, you know, I mean, nothing, nothing's going to happen and try this and that doesn't happen. It just it got to a point, man. I was like, I mean, I mean, she's about to go to high school now and still don't have interest. I mean, really, I mean, it's like, you know, I never forget. I was, <clears throat> cause I worked at the church family worship center there in Florence. I was standing in the back of the office and I got a phone call from one of the blue cross people. And um, it was bad news. And I asked some questions, and they put me on hold. I had been, like I said, I had been spending time in worship before that, and it latched on to that realization that when we magnify God, we make him bigger than everything we're facing. And so I began to pray. I began to pray in the Holy Ghost, just began praying in the Spirit. While I'm on hold, I know that cheesy lame music that's on hold. While that's playing, I'm praying. God, I thank you that the next person that answers this, actually, I didn't say it like that. I just said, I, I thank you when they get back on the phone that it's different. I thank you, Lord. I've dealt with this long enough. I know you've got a solution. I began to talk, think, and believe like that. You've got a solution. You've got a way, and I'm just praying. Long timer on hold. I should have been working and I wasn't. I was on hold. I was mad about this whole situation. When the call clicked back in, it wasn't the person who had called me. It was a different person. And I kid you not, this guy had me recount a few things. And he says, I have your file here, whatever. The, the other pre- previous person, they connected me. I'm kind of an expert with these things. And he said, explain to me the situation. I had to go back through the whole 10 months again for like the 20th time. I'd already written letters, done all kinds of stuff. And he said, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And then like basically cut me off. He said, all right, here's what we're going to do. You ready? And he, and he went through this whole thing. He said, all right, now here's what you're going to do. You're going to, you need to apply for this. I had never even heard of it. He said, it's going to get denied. I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. He said, yeah, I know, but you need to get denied because what you need is such and such. And you can't get such and such until you get denied for the first thing. So you need to write this letter. They're not going to like it. They're going to deny it. But don't worry. Denial is what you want. Once you get denied, you need to take that denial letter, and then you need to apply for this. And I was like, are you sure? He said, he said I told you <laughs> I'm an expert on this. Get denied on the first thing and then write the letter. So that happened, I think, and I said 10 months, but I think that was around September. And the whole process took until late October, early November. God worked the whole thing out, covered all the bills, and everything was covered. When we magnify the problem, our faith, our faith becomes null and void. But when you magnify the word, 
See, when you have a real relationship with the word, when you study the Bible at that level, then you realize, hey, this isn't, this isn't so bad. I mean, we're talking about the God who parted the Red Sea. We're talking about the God who, who, I mean, he made a way where there was no way. We're talking about a God. I mean, we're, we're talking about a Jesus. See, that's why I, every once in a while I like to remind us that God doesn't put sickness on us. Because when you look at Jesus, what did Jesus do? I never saw once. I've read Matthew. I've read Mark. I've read Luke. I've read John. I never saw once in the four Gospels where when someone came to Jesus sick, he said, okay, well, you know, you might just have to, to deal with this for a little while. All right? You know, I mean, God doesn't put anything on us that we can't bear, okay? And you're just going to have to just find it. But we say these things to people all the time, and, it, and it's like, no, dude, I mean, where's your faith? Where's your faith? I, I, we live in a world where there's sickness. Don't get me wrong. The Bible tells us that the, the afflictions of the righteous will come on us. But it also says that God will deliver us from all of them. So any affliction, any sickness, the Bible says that Jesus bore on the cross all my sickness and disease. It should have taken Jesus days to die. It took six hours because the world's sin and sickness was on him. When, when, when you face something like sickness, you have to have an understanding of God's word. When you face something like, you know, I mean, I mean, again, this is. To use my story as an example, that might not have seemed like a big deal to anybody, but I mean, we had just gotten to really, we had savings and we had money and we were heading in the right direction and, and, and our, our, our financial life was really, really good. I didn't want to shell out, it was going to be like eight or $10,000 to pay all those bills. Having a baby is expensive if you don't have insurance, right? I, I didn't want to have to, you know, and you know what? God didn't want me to have to do that. I, I, I remember praying, God, I'm a tither. I'm a giver. You gave me this money. I, 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 I take care of the situation. But I kept wavering. I kept wavering over the 10 months. I'm just going to be honest with you. I kept wavering. Because I'd get those phone calls and all that. I'd get down and I'd get defeated. And I'd, I'd tell my wife, well, I don't know. I'd, I don't know. That's one. I, I mean, and I'm not trying to be offensive to you, but that's one of the dumbest statements you can say. I don't know. I don't know if it'll work out. I, I don't know. This is what I know. Amen. This is what I know. Right. And I'm doing everything in my power every day to make sure my family and I, we know this. Because when everything out there is a big question mark, this is not. And there's word and instructions and foundational truth in here that will give me instructions to overcome whatever's out there. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I don't care what the devil comes at me with. My God's bigger. My God's stronger. My, God's, my God has more. Look at this. When you go through the Bible, I want you just to try this. And, and this is a little practical thing for you to try. In, in the New Testament, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Bibles, the, the books of the Bible from, from Acts, uh, after Acts, sorry, after Acts through Revelation, they're called the epistles. They're letters, re letters written to the church. 
Look through those and find all the scriptures that say in him, in Christ, in whom, in whom, in Christ, in him, a capital H, in him. These are descriptions of what you and I have in Jesus. When you read those, you can put in your name. I have healing by Jesus' stripes. I have, so through Jesus, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you can take these things, but look at this one. In Ephesians chapter 1, 7 and 8, it says, in him... In him, we have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us all in wisdom and prudence. In him. Everybody say in him. This is Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. I don't know if you guys can put it on the screens so that everybody can see it with us. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. In him, we have what? Redemption. I'm not trying to be redeemed. I hope you'll get this. I hope you'll understand what I'm trying to picture to paint a picture of today. I'm not trying to be redeemed. I'm not trying to work towards redemption. I am redeemed. I have redemption. This is why I'm telling you, you have to have a relationship with God's word because as you read these things and as you study this and you allow God's word to come alive in you and come alive in your spirit, stuff like this jumps off the page at you and you go, wait a second. I I have the forgiveness of sins and and, and the church thankfully does a good job of of clarifying that. The, The Western American church does a good job for the most part of talking about the forgiveness of sins. But I also have redemption. What does that mean? Redemption from what? Look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 3 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, what did Jesus Christ do? He became a curse for you. So you can walk around cursed if you want to, but God already sent his son to this earth who lived as a man, a sinless life, and became a curse for you on the cross so you don't have to live a cursed life. Well, I just don't know if God loves me. Dude. Dude. He sent his only begotten son who took on an unbearable death that was unwarranted, should have been us, but he did it for us to redeem us. What did Ephesians say? In in him I have Not I'm working towards, well, one day. No, I have redemption in him. Galatians that I'm reading right now says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, this is uh, quoting a previous scripture, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, or your translation might say the Greeks. Who are the Gentiles? Who are the Greeks? They are the non-Jew believers. So those, so Jesus came for the Jews first, yes, but the point of the gospel was to spread to all of mankind. 
that what Jesus would do would spread to the Greeks, the Gentiles. This is what they call those of us, unless you're a Jew in this room, those of us who are Gentiles. We're not a Jew. But the blessing of Abraham, which by the way is the opposite of the curse of the law, the blessing of Abraham belongs to us too. Do you see it? Um, You still have Ephesians on the screen. We're in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Cursed is everyone who hangs on, on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. How do you receive it? Through faith. How do we receive everything that we do with God? By faith. We receive it by faith. What what does this mean? Let let me me break this down. The curse or the punishment of breaking the law was threefold. The law, when when talked about in the New Testament, the law um, is referring to the Pentateuch. It's It's the first five books of the Bible. The law. The curse of the law is threefold. I don't have time to do a theology class today, but I'm going to break this down real quick. Ready? So we have the law. That's what God gave to Moses, told the Israelites to live by. There were blessings and there were curses. Uh, You could read it for probably several hours. I could just stand up here and read all of it. I don't have time, but I'm going to break it down. Three categories of the curse. Ready? Poverty. So this was a curse. So if you broke the law, if you didn't follow God's law, poverty came on you. It wasn't that God put poverty on you, it's that your breaking of the law caused poverty to come into your life. Number two, sickness. Sickness. So I break God's law, it opens the door for sickness in my life, my family's life, whatever it may be. So so this is why the law was such a big deal. This is why what Jesus came to do was such a big deal. Three, the second death or spiritual death. A spiritual death, a spiritual separation from God. Okay? So, poverty, sickness, second death. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of poverty. He has redeemed us from the curse of sickness. And he has redeemed us from the curse of spiritual death. Well, hold on a second. I'm trying to track with you here. This is a lot. All right, let me break it down really simple. You ready? God sent his son Jesus To fulfill the law, the Bible says. So he completed what man cannot do. Lived a perfect life, fulfilled the law. Then took on the punishment that was due to everybody, all of us, who could not complete it. Do you see the picture? He took on, the Bible says, he became poor so that you might become rich. It wasn't talking about spiritual poverty because he was spiritually perfect. He became poor that you might become rich. He took on poverty. He took on sickness. He took on disease. And of course, he took on sin. So that we might become righteous in God's standing. When you hear a pastor or you read in the word and it says, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. This is what we're talking about. Jesus' life, his actions, his Death on the cross puts us in redemption. This is why I'm trying to tell you, I'm not trying to be redeemed from this. I'm not working towards redemption. I have this redemption today. So, so what does the rest of that say? 
so that Abraham's or so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us in Christ Jesus. That the blessing. So what was the blessing of Abraham? Coincidentally, threefold. So we have a threefold curse, threefold blessing. Abraham's blessing was threefold in nature. First, it was a material financial blessing. Second, it was a physical blessing, health, health, well-being, uh, 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 sound mind or, or, or uh, 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 clear, you know, clearness, of, like, like you're, you're doing well in your physical being. And then there was spiritual blessing, spiritual enrichment. What, what's the New Testament chapter and verse for this? I started with it. 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospers. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like wondering when one day God's going to provide this for me. I'm not, I'm not like trying to figure that out because God's words, God's word is illuminated to me that by faith, I receive everything from, by, from God. I, I receive from God by faith. So by faith, I'm redeemed. You know, I don't have to feel redeemed to be redeemed. Amen. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure there are days that, that you have that, I, that have been like days that I've had where you wake up and maybe you blew it the day before or whatever, or you, 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 made, you, you blew it in the morning, you made a, a, a rash decision, whatever, and you don't feel so redeemed. But the Bible tells us God's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So, so what, what do I do? I just ask God to forgive me, and He does. Well, how do you receive that forgiveness? The same way you receive redemption. The same way you receive salvation. The same way you receive the blessing of Abraham. By faith. How does faith come? By hearing the word of God. So, yeah, you get saved. Measure of faith. Your measure of faith starts there. How do I increase my faith? I have a relationship with God's word that builds my faith. Every, today, your faith is built today. Your, your faith is at a higher level. To, I, I, I can sense it more powerful today than it, than it has been in recent weeks. Light bulbs. I just, you got it. You're like, oh, I, I never realized that. I never saw it like that. I never understood that. But God's word wasn't just letters on a page, words on a screen. No, it was, oh my goodness. So now, what do you do? You exercise it. Are y'all seeing this? Are you seeing it? I, I, I feed my faith, then I exercise it. I exercise it. I, I walk it out. I had uh, about four pages of notes on confession that I'm not going to get to. But, but what, what I wanted to say was that your confessing the Word of God will help you exercise that. It will help you exercise that. Last week we read the scripture. I'm going to end on this. 1 Timothy 1.19. 1 Timothy 1.19. It says, Cling to your faith 
I might be reading a different translation. But it says, cling to your faith in Christ Jesus and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. I'm going to read it off the screens and this is, okay, you got it. Praise God. Good job, team. Cling to your faith in Christ. Keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. And as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. That, that, sh- that word shipwrecked there indicates an irreconcilable loss. A loss that is, that is unfathomable. That their faith is shipwrecked. So, when I'm exercising my faith, one of the things that I have to do is recognize that my conscience, my, my inner man, what, where God's working on me, dealing with me, that I have to listen and adhere to that. Can you say amen? amen? Pastor Steve used to tell this to me all the time. He used to say, you know, uh, don't, let, don't, let, don't let your heart get hard. Keep your heart soft. I was going off to, to, to college um, and being a good pastor, he cared about me. He knew there was a call on my life. He knew there was things in store for me. And, and I was being pulled on. And I wasn't listening to my conscience. And he knew it. Keep your heart soft. What was he telling me? When you, when you, when you don't listen to your conscience, your, your spirit, when you don't listen to the, the innermost being, Another New Testament scripture says in Proverbs, sorry, in Proverbs it says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The candle. It lights up the inner, inner part of you, your spirit. When you don't listen to that, it sears, it, it gets seared. It gets, it gets, it's like, you know, if, if you, uh, <laughs> I'm going to use a weird analogy, but I think you'll get it. How many of y'all, when you, when you get a new update on your phone or you do a, um, uh, like, you, you have to download and agree to something, maybe you go get a new cell phone contract, they pop up on the screen the terms of agreement. And what all, all of us do it. Every single person here do it. If you read all of it, I want to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> all of us do it. What do you do? <laughs> Accept all. Accept all. Agree. It's like the Apple contract on your phone. You just, you, and we do that with the word. We just, okay, yeah, yeah, I just, I believe all of it. Yet you don't know it. Yet you don't know it. And so you just, you kind of get used to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but, and you sear your conscience. Yeah, yeah, I know, I, I know, I know, but. If you'll leave that verse back up there. It shipwrecks your faith. It shipwrecks your faith. Now, if you couple that verse with Colossians 2, it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. This is Colossians 2, 6 and 7. As you have received Christ Jesus, walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it, abounding in faith with thanksgiving. Rooted and built up. 
Go back to the beginning of it. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, walk in him. Walk in him. It's crucial that your relationship, that your relationship with God's word, that your relationship with Jesus, who is the word, that it's rooted and built foundationally. Because this is where faith starts. This is where faith builds. This is how faith comes. This is, this, is how, this is how we walk. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, walk in Him. Walk in Him. Walk, walk out your door. See, uh, last week I made the statement, now's the time. Now's the, t- now's the time to build your faith. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to echo that again today. That we're not waiting. That one day, one day I know my faith will be at a higher level. I mean, one day I know I might be able to believe for miracles. One day, I mean, I'm sure just as I grow, like when is one day? Like when, like when is that? Are you, are you, listen, if you wait till you're on your deathbed and to, to believe God for a miracle, it's too, I'm, I'm worried that it might be too late. I, I, I mean, b- believe God now when your knee gets hurt. I mean, if you wait till, I mean, if there's some, I pray you never, never have a financial crisis. I pray you never, you never go through that. I pray you never have 10 months of wondering, man, am I going to have to pay $10,000 in bills? I, but thank God I had enough faith in me. I knew I wavered. Yes, I did. I know that it probably could have been resolved much sooner, but I learned a lesson going through all that, that when I walk by faith, God works it out. So guess what? Guess what? Because... Because I had that foundation, because I was in a church like this where I was taught the word of God and I knew how to get through the situation, not only did I get through it, but because I fed my faith, I exercised my faith, now when something like that comes up, it doesn't matter if it's bigger. If God did it before, he'll do it again. If God did it before, I'm not worried about it. I'm not going to do I'm not even going to sweat this. I, I Usually I give myself about a minute to sweat it. Five minutes max. And I have to snap myself out of it. I'm not going to live in the sweat. God sweat for me. He sent his son to sweat for me. I got stuff to do. I got people to preach to. I got lives to, 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 to get God's word in them. I don't have time to deal with this. No, God's going to take care of this. Just t- call me when it's fixed. I mean, really, do I believe it or not? Sorry, I just got a little fired up. This is a good July 4th message. Amen? It's been a good week at the church. Brother Mike did such a good job on Wednesday night with our Wednesday night service. Brother Chuck was telling me a story. Brother Mike's just such a good man. He, he, I guess he was talking to Brother Chuck and said, you know, the kingdom of God is better because you're in it. And that's just the type of man that, that, that Brother Mike Britton is. I appreciate you. I thought you did a great job on Wednesday. I just want to just honor you and tell you thank you. It's been a great week. And I pray this message today leaves you blessed and encouraged that you leave here. You know what, man? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, now's the time to feed my faith. Now's the time. Now's the time to have, have a, have a, have a, understanding of God's word like I've never had. A relationship with Jesus like I've never had. Amen? Amen.